You're listening to the Florida Bar Podcast, brought to you by the Florida Bar's Practice Resource Center, Legal Fuel, produced by the broadcast professionals of the Florida Bar. Welcome to the Florida Bar Podcast, brought to you by Legal Fuel, the Practice Resource Center of the Florida Bar. We're so glad you're joining us. This is Christine Bilbrey. I'm a Senior Practice Management Advisor at the Bar and one of the hosts of the show, which is being recorded from our home offices in Tallahassee, Florida. Hello, I'm Carla Eckhart. I'm a Practice Management Advisor at the Florida Bar and a co-host of today's podcast. Our goal at the Practice Resource Center is to assist Florida attorneys with running the business side of their law practices. We focus on a different topic each month and carry the theme through our website with related tips, videos, and articles. Today, we are discussing alternative law firm pricing models. Some attorneys have been using alternatives to the billable hour model for years, and others are just now rethinking their firm's pricing models to either attract new clients that may have felt in the past they could not afford legal representation, or because we now live in the age of Uber and consumers expect to know the price of a service or product up front. Joining us today to discuss alternative law firm pricing models is A. James Mullaney III. Jim Mullaney is a mediator and attorney who has been handling family law cases exclusively for over 20 years in Jacksonville, where he was born and raised. He earned a Bachelor of Science degree in 1990 from the University of Florida, followed by graduate school at the University of Central Florida, and then a JD from Cumberland School of Law at Samford University. In 1996, Jim returned to Jacksonville, where he has been practicing law ever since. In 2000, he started his own firm focused exclusively on family law. Jim is also licensed to practice law in Georgia and is a Florida Supreme Court certified family court mediator. Welcome to the show, Jim. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Jim, can you tell our listeners a little bit about your path to practicing exclusively family law and how long you have been using some of the alternatives to the billable hour in your practice? Okay, so yeah, um, I was increasingly disenchanted (laughs) with the uh, law firm uh, model. Uh, Just didn't really see for me with what I was doing more of an insurance defense thing. I just didn't really see that as a long-term good career for me. uh, for lots of reasons, um, emotional, financial, um, you know, everything. So, um, I'd always kind of been more interested in family law anyway. Um, just, you know, I talk with different lawyers and, uh, talk with other family members and they're like, Oh God, why in the world would you want to do that? And, you know, there's people that can handle it and there's people that, you know, I, I don't know that I'd want to be I'm terribly interested in being a criminal defense lawyer. Um, but, I certainly see the need for those people. Um, <laughs> you know, I applaud what they do. Um, it's just not necessarily the thing for me, um, but that's just something that that I just kind of you know interested me in in the law through school, through just personal you know the way I grew up. Um, we had some family law issues in my family growing up, as I'm sure you're probably most we all did. <laughs> um, yeah, so you know, I was kind of kind of drawn to it for for that reason, um, and you know, so. And I think compared to a lot of other things, it's a little easier to start out um, yourself, um, you know, to 
quit your job at your bigger law firm and go get a, you know, start your own firm. That's probably a little easier to do family law, honestly, um, than it certainly would be to do um, personal injury or, you know, bankruptcy, whatever, anything else like that. I think that that probably, to be honest, I'm sure that played a role as well. So to to get into the nitty gritty of what we want to talk about today and all alternatives to the billable hour, um, I'll start out with uh, citing Rule 4-1.2, Objectives and Scope of Rep- Representation, which was first proposed back in 2002 by the Unbundled Legal Services Special Committee. Um, can you tell us about how your representation for a purpose works and what is required by the rule? From what for, for what I do? Yes. Yeah. Um, well, as a, as a, you know, basically divorce lawyer, um, you know, we do more than divorce. I mean, I do some paternity cases, but the, I would say 90% of what we do is, is divorces. You know, I, I think the big, the big question people have when they call is, you know, how can you help me? And then how much is it going to cost? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like question one and one a, okay. I mean, that's not even question two. They want to know how much is it going to cost right away? Um, and, for a lot of people, I tell them, hey, with what you've told me so far, which is only that you want to get divorced, okay, um, I, I can't tell you what it's going to cost. I mean, I, and I tell them, I go, listen, if you don't want to hire me, um, that's fine. Of course, there are other lawyers in town, but don't let anybody tell you what it's going to cost. Nobody knows. Nobody can tell you it's going to be $15,000 or it's going to be $1,500. They, they don't know. They don't know what they're going to have to do in your case. And really, even if they did know, um, you're still not really going to know because you don't know what little unique things are going to pop up, whether it's a mm-hmm. unfortunate domestic violence issue or a, somebody took the kids out of state and won't bring them back kind of issue. Um, you, you know, different people have jurisdictional issues or venue issues um, that may or may not need to be resolved. And everybody's case in that way is very different, but people still want to know. So I think in you know, even in light of all that, they still like, okay, but well, that's great. Thanks for telling me that. I agree with all that. Well, well but seriously, what's it going to cost? Mm-hmm. Um, so um, then I tell them, all right, well, then you have some homework. Okay. You need to try to allow me to answer that question. And the way you do that is, I think, you know, at least for me, is encouraging people um, to try to come up with some kind of agreement. Okay. If they can call me back and tell me, hey, this is, this is what we want to do, okay? Because your alternatives are litigation, which is untold thousands of dollars, okay? Um, even to get to the mediation, uh, you know, is going to cost thousands and thousands of dollars for the both of them, you know, for both mm-hmm. sides. Uh, or you can take the work out of my hand and out of the other lawyer's hand on the, you know, the, the attorney on the other side and have an agreement. Okay. And if it's relatively fair, you can both live with it. And then we can tell you what it's going to cost. We can get you to that point where, yes, Mm -hmm. there's some minimal discovery. Um, I'm doing some of those now where we're just, you're doing a little bit of discovery. Um, You know, you don't need somebody's tax return from 2012 to figure out what child support is going to be next year. Um, You know, you you don't need somebody's employment history. You don't need all of their tax records and their pay stubs for, you know, the last 10, 15 years, um, 99 times out of 100 um, to find out what the ongoing child support obligation is. All right. Um, So if you can do that, then there can just be some discovery. So, you know, you know, that everybody's telling the truth as to their incomes and and, and you can put a price tag on that. Okay. Um, Whatever it is. And then I think people know, okay, well, maybe this is somebody I want to go with. Maybe it's somebody I don't want to go with. Um, Okay, fine. But, but at least, you know, and you've got an answer. 
And I think that's what people, that's what people are really looking for. Um, because I, I don't think most people, um, at least not me, um, most people aren't calling me up saying, Hey man, let me give you all the money you need. Let's go to court. I want to, <laughs> I want to do X, Y, and Z to somebody, you know, they, they want to know mm-hmm. what it's going to cost and they, they might want to do the X, Y, and Z to somebody, but they, they, they don't want it to cost money, <laughs> which, you know, is not, is not really, you know, that's not going to happen. And I just want to reiterate for our listeners, that's rule 4-1.2. I know it's really important for people to go back mm-hmm. and they're often writing it down really quickly in their cars. And, and essentially what uh, Jim just explained is that the objectives or scopes of services being offered by the lawyer are limited by agreement with the client. Um, you know, so a retainer, for example, could be for a defined purpose. Um, and that's what the rule allows. And that's what Jim is able to do when Mm -hmm. the client comes back with a sort of menu list of items of what they want when they already have something in mind, as opposed to leaving it open-ended for the lawyer to figure out. And the the family law rules provide for uh, like a representation for a specific purpose, okay? Mm -hmm. So instead of, because I get a bunch of calls, as I'm sure any family family attorney does, you know, just because you don't have, just because you don't have a lot of money doesn't mean you don't have the, the, the bad issues. What it does mean is that you might have a little more difficulty, um, you know, hiring a lawyer for the same, for the same, you know, purposes as somebody who's, who, who earns a lot more money. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we can try then to focus on is, okay, maybe you really need the help in mediation. Okay. So, you know, we can walk you through doing your own answer, um, doing the discovery, you know, you, you hopefully can figure that out. We can walk you through that a little bit just on the phone. That's, that's fairly simple. That doesn't take much time. Um, but you really need advice. You really need somebody running the child support guidelines. You really need somebody offering an opinion on alimony, you know, the, the, an amount, a duration, things like that. Um, what's in the best interest of your children, how the judge is going to look at it, um, it, that's something that you need for mediation. So if somebody's looking at a ten, fifteen thousand dollars or more divorce case, but they only have two thousand dollars, okay? I mean, at least me personally, <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's you know, I don't think it's really honest to take somebody's two thousand um, dollars, even do three thousand dollars worth of work, um, and and then leave. Okay. <laughs> Without kind of mm-hmm. telling them that that's, you know, I, I, it's all honest. Okay. I mean, you know, I did the work. I didn't exaggerate the work. I didn't overbuild the work. I did the work. Um, but then that leaves them halfway through, you know, the pre-mediation phase of their case, penniless and with no lawyer. Okay. That doesn't really help anybody out. Um, but their same amount of money they were going to spend might be better spent um, representing them just for the specific purpose of the mediation. And the, the, the good thing about that rule is that you can appear in a case for, you know, for the specific purpose, that's what it's for, and then leave without having to go to court, have a hearing, um, sending everybody notice. You're just, you're in, you do what you're supposed to do, and then you're out. Okay. I think kind of the problem with that is, is I don't even know that I mean, I don't think most people know that that's an option for them. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure that all the judges know that that's an option. <laughs> I mean, I haven't, and, and frankly, I don't, it, I don't, I don't know that a ton of people, I haven't used that very often. I floated that out for a lot of people. I don't know that a ton of people are interested in, in having that happen. Um, I've done it a few times over the years and the judges usually confuse as to what, wait, what do you mean you don't have to withdraw? I go, well, judge, that's what the rule, <laughs> I mean, that's what mm-hmm. the rules say. I'm not making this up. Um, 
And are you and, are you clarifying that in your fee agreement with 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 the client so that all parties like what what are you putting in your fee agreement to say this is my limited uh, representation? Yeah, I just what is what is the you know what is the purpose of this representation? Is it for you know is it for an uncontested divorce where I'm doing everything? Is it just the dissolution of your marriage where we're doing everything? Um, those are two different kinds of cases, but. I'm mm-hmm. there for the whole case. Um, if it's just for the mediation, then it's just for the mediation in your divorce case. And then in the notice that the rules require, um, you've got to file a notice with the court. You have to have the consent of the um, of the client. All that gets filed, and it's all very you know detail oriented. There and, and the Supreme Court has um, forms um, up for this at um, flcourts.org. Um, you know, I change them around a little bit, not 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 too much, <laughs> just to make them at least look a little nicer. Um, but those are all available. And then once you're done, you have to file um, a, what's called the termination of limited representation, just so everybody knows. And okay. part of that is you're, you're giving them um, the address of your client, their contact information, so that any other lawyers in the court and the clerk know how to get in touch with that person instead of getting in touch with me. That's required in the rule so that everybody knows who's, you know, who and where they can be contacted. And I know as we are discussing this, Carla is taking diligent notes. So if you're listening to this um, and you're at the LegalFuel.com website, uh, she puts all these handy links underneath the podcast where the player. So as Jim mentioned, um, alternative fee arrangements can become an access to justice issue when representation uh, can be secured by individuals who can't afford the large retainer up front and then these continuing billable hours until the end of their case. Um, So they're able to hire an attorney um, to maybe assist them with a particular phase or step of their matter. Um, On Lawyerist.com, they discuss pricing legal services in a client-centered way. So instead of charging a flat fee for an entire project, you can charge a flat fee uh, per project phase or a limited time period. You can break down a matter into smaller pieces, charging an hourly or a fixed rate for each piece. Have you tried different fee arrangements over your years in practice? Um, Well, I I started out with the billable hour arrangement, as I'm sure most people um, would expect. Mm -hmm. Um, But at least for me, like I said before, I think people want the certainty and also, that takes up a tremendous amount of my time. Um, writing all that down, recording it, um, putting the bills together, sending it out. I mean, that, that, that takes a few hours a day to manage all that. Um, it, you know, even with a small practice, I think that, that takes a ton of time. Um, and, you know, you're not billing people, or at least shouldn't be billing people for billing them, okay? Um, and that's, you know, to the extent I can take away that work, Okay, that makes my life easier. I think that mm-hmm. gives people to um, what they're looking for, which is more of a certainty. Okay, because I'm not. I mean, I, I, I don't think it's any secret. People hate getting bills, um, and I hear from people on the other side, or they've had lawyers before, um, or lawyers on the uh, you know previous to hiring me, and they're like, you know, people are hiring. You know, I mean, sorry, people are billing me for you know a half hour for mm-hmm. a five minute phone call. Like, well, I mean, I get why you'd charge them a point one. I don't know why you're getting charged a half hour. Um, but okay, you know, that's a different that's a different problem. Okay. I don't want to do that. Uh, I, I I you know, that gets clients angry real quick when they have to pay, you know, $125. Um 
because they asked their lawyer, are you open so I can drop the papers off? Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of... <laughs> yeah. Keeping your clients happy also um, is you're more likely to get paid if you have not annoyed them along the way. Yeah. So absolutely. that's a good right. point. Right. And again, it's... it's it's a different. It's different for everyone. You you can have a blended uh, kind of menu of options, or you can you know do it on the fly. So my next question to you is: Were there ever any specific clients that needed you to be more flexible than what you normally would be um, with their fee in order for you to offer them much needed legal assistance? Oh, absolutely. Oh, sure. Because some people like like let's say you were married, you want an uncontested divorce. Um, I tell you it's, you know, let's just pick a round number, $2,000. Okay. And you're perfectly fine with that. You think that's reasonable. That's better than you've heard from other people. You're thrilled. Um, I tell you, it's going to take, you know, two months, you should be free and, and, you know, single again. And, you know, that's great. But your problem is, Hey, I don't have $2,000. Okay. I have, you know, I have whatever. I have five hundred dollars. Okay, I, I'll eventually have two thousand dollars, but it'll it'll take a little while. So what I tell them is, listen, th- th- that's fine with me. Okay, our agreement then is, and I you know want to be upfront because I'm not slow walking your case. I want you to know. Okay, um, I need you to pay me the filing fee. I can't pay the filing fee to the clerk um, mm-hmm. until you give it to me. You know, the bar doesn't like that. <laughs> okay, you know, I don't I don't want to. I'm not spending somebody else's money on you know your filing fee. So you have to pay that. You have to pay the attorney's fees. So, you know, if you want to give me $500, fine. Okay. I'll prepare all the paperwork you need. Okay. I'll answer all of your questions. We'll do all the revisions. You pay me the rest when you can pay me the rest. Okay. And if that's in two weeks, great. Then we'll file your case and we'll get it done. Once we file it, you know, it's going to be over in typically four to six weeks, at least here in Duval County. That's about what it takes. Mm -hmm. Um, But you've got to pay it all. I'm not going to call you. I'm not a credit reporting agency. I'm not going to hassle you. I'm not sending someone to your house. You won't hear from me. You know, if you have questions, you call me when you're ready to pay, you pay me. Okay. Um, And when it all gets paid up, we're we're good. If that's the agreement that you want to have, then let's do that. And, you know, then people can do that. Okay. I think a lot of, I mean, I think I would say 20% of people do something like that. And most pay pretty quickly Mm -hmm. because they want to get, they want it to be done. All right. And, you know, but I understand certainly at the holidays, you know, hey, I don't want, you know, I I don't want you to get evicted (laughs) because you're paying your divorce lawyer. You know, I don't want you to go hungry. I don't want your kids to go hungry. Okay. Um, So if you need another few weeks to come up with the rest of the money, you know, I, you know, I can live with that. I can do that rather than chase you off and say, listen, sorry, if you don't have all of it right now, Mm -hmm. you know, good luck. You know, I, I, I don't think that's really the best way to handle people either. One of the other alternative fee arrangements is known as the legal subscription plan. It's like Netflix, but instead of movies, you offer businesses or individuals on-call legal advice for your specific uh, practice area. For instance, it could be for an individual who wants to represent themselves in a family matter, but still needs some guidance or expertise. Can you see yourself offering something like that in a particular situation? I don't know if that'd be right for for family law, um, simply because most people, you know, think you, I, I don't, I don't need a divorce lawyer. I don't need a divorce lawyer. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, I need a divorce lawyer. <laughs> and then when you're done, <laughs> yes. I'm never going to get married again. So I'm never going to need one again, never going to need one again. So I, I don't know that that kind of subscription would work, but I, I certainly mm-hmm. see where it could work um, in a, you know, maybe, maybe even in a, certainly in a business context, if I was a small business owner um, and I had questions about, you know, insurance or workers comp or, you know, uh, whatever, landlord tenant issues, things like that, I could see where somebody, you know, it it would certainly be easier if I could pay, you know, a few hundred dollars or whatever it might be, whatever we could negotiate per month, spread it out. um, And then the lawyer could see the, you know, the revenue stream, but then there's certainly months I'm not calling, but I'm just paying a little in other months where, yeah, I'm paying whatever it is, but I've got a bunch of questions where mm-hmm. the other subscribers aren't asking so many questions and we can spread it out that way. I mean, it's, 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 I guess it's sort of the same, you're just spreading out the, the payments. Um, I think a lot of, you know, if I did it too, people would, oh sure. They'd be all for the um, subscription for the three, four five months of their case and then it really, I think it becomes the same thing of, yes, I'm going to have your whatever, $10,000 case, $2,000 case. I'm just going to spread the costs out over, mm-hmm. over um, you know, say over the course of a year that you would have people like mandatory buy-in. You know, you've got at least subscribed for a year or six months or something like that. So, yeah, I, I don't know if it's the right thing for me, but I could see how it, how it would certainly work for other people. I think that's great for clients. I've definitely seen it work and like you mentioned, the, the business law, uh, because in, even in the law firm I worked with, we we did that. And, and quite frankly, businesses and, and clients loved it because they would get a, a quick and easy contract and they wanted us to look over it. Boom, done. Um, an employee's NDA or whatever it may be. Um, and, and it really was beneficial for them because, you know, obviously there's there's a utilization rate and, and you, the attorney, have to sort of figure out what works for you where you're profitable, but also what makes it worth it for the client. Surely, much like Netflix, we don't watch the entire Netflix library. <laughs> no. We don't, we don't we squeeze don't. every penny out of... Some of us don't. I'm getting closer. We don't yeah. every penny out of Netflix, you know, but we get, we get a benefit and it's enough for us, you know, mm-hmm. even if it's for just that one show, we really must watch. So the same thing goes when you have um, this subscription model that Christine mentioned. Um, so again, it may not be ideal for family law, but definitely in a business law, um, uh, arena where there's contract reviews and, mm-hmm. and a lot of you know basic document drafting and things like that. And when I was researching that particular fee arrangement, it was interesting because they kept reference, referencing Netflix. So like um, back when Netflix, when they mailed the discs out to our house, I don't know if you guys remember that. Um, I do. <laughs> you could have unlimited ones. So there were tier pricing. So like some law firms based on what their bandwidth is. So say we have 10 attorneys, so we can sign up a ton of people for the subscription service. But this guy is going to, from looking at his matters, we know he's going to be calling us five or 10 times a month. So he has the premium package and someone else just needs a little advice here and there. So they have a real, you know, basic entry level package. So I think that there's a real, that would require some experimentation within the law firm. What, you know, and you kind of have to, I think you'd have to um, maybe set some caps so that someone didn't sign up for the basic plan. And then, you know, they had you on the phone constantly and were showing up at your office. (laughs) 
Yeah, again, you, you definitely, and that's why we tell people, even if you charge a flat fee, keep track of your time because you need to know whether or not you're being profitable. And there's going, you know, you're you're never going to know whether you're reaching your peak financial potential mm-hmm. if you don't keep track of your time. So even if you don't uh, have the billable hour model, um, you still want to keep track of your time because you may have to shift your fees one way or another in order for it to work for you and for your client. So again. Oh, and I want to inject, interject, since we are the Florida Bar, you could still wind up in that territory of unreasonable fees. You can't say, okay, well, my subscription package is five grand a month. And, you know, sorry you didn't One have any hour of work. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Right. So <laughs> you do have to still be in the parameters of for ethics council to approve. So, you know, consider consider that aspect of it if you are experimenting right. with that package. So you have a brick and mortar office in Jacksonville, right? Yes. And you are tech savvy. And Hopefully. You, you, <laughs> you, you, it's my understanding that you were already prepared to pivot to a virtual practice when the pandemic sent everyone home. Um, so what are some tools that you had in place that assisted you in the transition to practicing virtually? Uh, let's see. Um, I had already used Zoom a time or two. Okay, just to talk with clients, I, I, I think that might be a product of just being in Jacksonville that mm-hmm. maybe more so than maybe people who do exactly what I do in Orlando or, or you know, Tallahassee. Um, there's a, we, I get a lot of military clients. Um, so I, I've gotten, I think, an, an inordinate number of clients in Virginia Beach and in San Diego for a Florida lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, just because of the big military presence in, in, in Jacksonville and in South, South Georgia, um, there, there's a lot of people who are based here, who have a house here, who live here, but are working in Italy, in Spain, in Virginia, in California. Um, you know, there's some other military installations. We ended up having a bunch of clients from like, uh, the San Antonio Fort Hood area, I think it is, um, that, that, you know, people still want to see you. Okay. I've gone to conferences when they're like, Hey, you can use, you know, Dropbox and use this and use this and just work from home. And there you've saved, you know, a thousand, two thousand $2,000 in rent. And I'm like, well, I'd love to do that. But people, people want to see you. They just don't want to send money off into the internet. <laughs> you know, to, who's this guy? Okay. I mean, you know, I said, you know, you can look me up at the Florida bar. I'm not forfeiting my career for your, you know, two, three, $5,000 case. You can see, I don't, I don't have any problems. I'm legit. I'm actually a lawyer. Um, but I still think people want to, you know, they want to sit at your desk. They, they want to see you. Okay. And at least for these guys um, and, and women stationed around the world, um, you know, they, they, they can't get in here, but Hey, they can at least see you. Okay. And that's, yeah. that's nice. Um, I think you bring up a really good point. And I, we do a lot of research before we do each month's podcast. So I've creeped on your website. Um, and you, <laughs> well, it's brand you, new. Yeah, so it's, it's really nice. Finished. It's what we recommend. Not in a weird way. No, I, I was very <laughs> impressed. So you have some very useful resources for potential clients on your website. You already mentioned um, the Florida Child Support Calculator. I found that right on your blog page. And um, I like that you have video responses to frequently asked questions. So you're educating potential clients about family law procedures, but they also are getting a sense of you as a person. So have you had some of the clients mention that they watched those before they contacted you about handing their matters? Because you're right, they, they want to see you, but some people can't see you. So you sure. already have- Oh yeah. No, I think people love those. And, and the numbers, um, you know, 
I just recorded them at home and put them on after going to conferences and the tech show. And there was the, I guess the bar put one on down in Orlando a few years ago near mm-hmm. Disney that I went to. Um, and they were really big on videos. Um, there's a company, I think out of Atlanta, um, crisp, um, they're very big on that idea. Um, but I knew how to do that. I can, you know, it's it to make it, I mean, all you have to do is hold up your iPhone and talk (laughs) and then look at it and you can see it looks really, really bad. Okay. I mean, it looks really bad. Um, and I mean, I mentioned this at a, at a, I think the tech show last year, the ABA tech show up in Chicago, Mm -hmm. um, somebody was talking about that. They're like, Oh, you have to do video, even if it's just holding your iPhone. And I'm like, listen, do it. And then look at somebody who's paid for it. And it just looks (laughs) awful. It's so bad. It's just lighting. It's not the iPhone. The iPhone is magnificent. It can absolutely take good enough video. Um, You just have to have the right lighting. And you can get the right lighting for Amazon for, I think, $100 or something. Mm -hmm. I mean, less. It's it's not expensive lighting. Um, So I put that in our laundry room and boom, that's what I did. It's, I mean, it it makes the world (laughs) a difference. I did not know. And that was me in my house. Okay. It's not, it's not fancy. Um, But you know, those are, I put all these on YouTube and you could, so I can, I mean, I don't go look daily or monthly, Mm -hmm. um, but you can see which ones really resonate with people, which ones people look at. There's one on um, how do I legally not pay child support in Florida? How do I, I mean, so that's the, I mean, I almost named it that like is a sort of a joke. So there's a way, how can you have a kid and not pay child support in Florida? Um, I mean, that's a Googled question, I'm sure. Oh yeah. And it gets thousands of views compared to the other (laughs) ones that maybe have been up for five years and like, you know, 60 people have seen it. Thousands of people have seen that video. Um, and the, the easy answer is we have to, you have to see your child a lot. <laughs> I mean, that's what you have to be a very big oh. important part of your child's life. And you ah. have to earn about what the mother earns, whether that's high or low, you have to earn about the same and you, know, you have to be an equal partner. And that's, and I don't know that people like the answer, <laughs> but people love the question. Okay. That's the point. Um, well, and I love that you're keeping track of your metrics, your views. So that's, I, I told Carla, you are very tech savvy because you also have all these things that we ask people to do, but they never get around to doing it. You have the automated contact form on your homepage. Oh, yeah. Um, you have a smart vault client portal. Um, and I, you have Formstack, the automa- uh, automated intake form. So I love that it's... Um, you're making a human connection with your video. So important. So it was important before, but now people are trapped in their houses and they're not going to get to see you. So you've made it very easy. So you've eliminated some barriers for them um, given the current pandemic, everyone being home. Um, but we're going to do a speed round. Do you use practice management, billing or accounting software? Um, practice management software. No, I kind of designed my own with a database program. So Mm -hmm. do I use one? Yeah, but it's sort of one I put together where I can keep all my client information together, use that to generate, um, documents, um, checklists of the different, you know, um, tasks that have to happen in a case. Um, but do I use, um, accounting software? Yes, I use, I think the new one that the bar approved recently, the online one was it trust books. Yes. We love trust. I I really, I had, um, (laughs) like an on, I had a, like a downloaded version of QuickBooks forever. 
um, mm-hmm. which was really way more than I think I needed. Um, then I went to an online version and it was still very confusing, mm-hmm. but I mean, I'm an unpaid, um, you know, <laughs> endorser. <laughs> endorser. <laughs> they don't give me a thing, trust me. Um, but I found that in the reconciliation and all that complying with all the rules, that is just way easier. I mean, that's what we like to hear. Very, Official Florida Bar member benefit. So you yes, all just get it a discount. Is great. Okay. Do you um, send your invoices online? Um. Yes. Yes, I use. I guess Law it depends Pay. on the client. Yeah. It, it, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for okay. the most for the most part, uh, if I will send, um, I will send them on the Law Pay. Um, system where I can, you know, send two invoices, one say for the attorney's fees, one for the filing fee. So they go mm-hmm. to different accounts. Um, I thought that was very nice. You child there. for our department. Yeah. 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 Shameless plug, LaPay, another Florida Department benefit. <laughs> no, okay, I mean, so, I mean, honestly, it, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a little, I think before I did that, I was using Square um, and Square, right. frankly, is a little cheaper um, right. than LaPay. Um, it, but it's, like a half, I mean, don't not have to look up. I haven't looked what the difference is. I mean, it's very but small, but it's a it's half percent. It's not worth it because you're going to wind up putting yes. money in the yeah, wrong the account. The ease of the accounting and all compliant. that makes yes. it so much easier. So that's well worth it for, for me, that little tiny bit. Okay. Tell us about, are you using your portal or is it like, do you have to convince clients to use your online portal? How much I don't is give that them, I don't really give them a choice. Oh, <laughs> I mean, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's that's what happens. Um, I will after you you pay. I prepare your documents, um, and then I send out an email a day or so later saying, "Listen, you should have already received um, an email from Smart Vault, which is what I'm using. Um, there there are other ones to use. I just thought Smart Vault was a good one um, for me for the level. I don't need that much space. These aren't gigantic files mm-hmm. and I think some of the other systems that probably looked better um, and worked a little better um, would charge me for everybody that I had use it. Okay. okay. And that gets real expensive. Then you're talking hundreds of dollars. Um, But for Smart Vault, I set clients up as guests. So they're, they're essentially free. Okay. Okay. So I can have, I think unlimited Mm -hmm. and I don't even know what it costs. I think it's like, $40, $50 40, $50 a month. I'll link to it. We'll, we'll let the listeners Whatever it is, it's not, it's, it's so low that I don't <laughs> mm-hmm. even really think too much about it. It's not very expensive um, on, a, on, on a monthly basis. And then you have the ability uh, as a client to upload, um, document, you know, you certainly can download, you can look at the documents, you can download them and you can upload stuff. What you can't do, because I haven't granted you the, the ability to, you can't delete um, you okay. can't delete documents. Um, so if I put it there, it's there. If you put it there, it's there. Yeah. You can't even delete your own documents. Um, and the portals are really important because we keep telling people don't, if you're in family law, it's all personal identifiable yeah. information, the PII that you are sending, social security number, financial records, um, you know, information about well, your children. And we always encourage attorneys uh, not to use free email uh, service providers. But, you know, as the board tech committee has been discussing uh, Mm -hmm. recently, okay, so the attorney's not using a free uh, email service provider, but the client is. Um, So there's still potential privacy issues there. Mm -hmm. So client portals sort of eliminate um, those issues because the client doesn't have to use their own email necessarily. They go into the portal and submit their documents to the attorney through the portal rather Mm -hmm. than from their email so and 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 something like smart vault it it expires even for me if i 
log in, it's going to log me out in 10 minutes or so. And there I've had, I've heard this on both sides of family law cases where uh, uh, like say a husband will have a computer at home and he will have a Gmail account and then he will move out and he will not take the computer. And his wife has the entire conversation with um, him and his lawyer and him and his girlfriends. Uh, and, you know, every it's all right there in real time for her to see it unfold right in front of her. And, you know, so, so that's not, yeah. Not great. That, that's not good. So, yeah. yeah, log out of your accounts before you move out. Yeah. <laughs> well, and like, you don't know if your client's email accounts are, are being hacked by third parties or they're right. being... Like, right. they're yeah, this being isn't even scanned. hacking. Yeah, this isn't yeah, even hacking. Right. You've left the door open to the right. barn and right. moved out. Yes. But there's so many issues, like, because they're actually being... You'll start getting ads for weird things because you're... You know, everything in your email was scanned by your email provider sure. because you did you used a free version. Um, and the portals, the client, I do want to mention that all of the good practice management software packages come with the client portal built in. So if you're yes, considering if you're one of those. Yes, if you're not as tech savvy as Jim and you haven't created your own database um, and, you know, you, right. you're... you're you just want something straight out of the box that works with a client portal with case management, so on and so forth. That's why you would want practice management software. And by wrote my own, I didn't write the code. Okay? <laughs> I, mean, I, I use a, um, what, what's it called? FileMaker. It's just a database program. Um, <laughs> So I just, you know, it's a bunch, I, you add a Still bunch of fields. Still more advanced than most. Yeah, yeah we well, don't want to scare perhaps, people off. Perhaps. <laughs> this is doable even for people that are, yeah. don't have Jim's level of expertise. Okay. <laughs> are you doing virtual depositions and have you used remote signature notarization? Where's that nope. going in you? Okay. No, um, I have not done a, um, a deposition like that. Not, not recently. Um, okay. Back in the insurance defense days, I think maybe there were a few um, video depositions. I don't know that we I can't remember a remote one. Um, and then the notary stuff. No, I haven't really looked in too much to that. Somebody actually asked me about that yesterday. Um, yeah, and the rules are changing. So, like, yeah. just you know, stay tuned as those things are are happening. I think Carla's been researching yes, there, that. There's there's an order on remote depositions. Yeah, I know they just rolled out uh, the whole um, online notary thing in January and then they what suspended a lot of those rules um, <laughs> some of them aren't some of them aren't effective yes. just yet or weren't yeah. effective mm -hmm. when, when the rule first came out so yeah we'll we'll link to that but but again it, it is being done we even do have a CLE on remote depositions if, if you're awesome. interested if our listeners are interested mm -hmm. um, but but there are there are rules out there we're not going to go into the nitty-gritty because that's not our job <laughs> All right. Uh, so the first civil trial with a jury and binding verdict in the U.S. since the pandemic began was conducted virtually on August 10th in Jacksonville. Um, can you tell us in your expertise how virtual family law hearings have been going so far? Um, I think they've been fine. I haven't had any problems with it. I have... Um, a nameless friend who's a judge, <laughs> a friend from college who is a who is a judge here in Jacksonville, and he hates it. <laughs> he hates it, um, just because it's. I, 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 I and I, I think he doesn't like it because uh, he doesn't see people. He can't see them and read them like you know that's his job 
Okay. Mm -hmm. Who's telling the truth? Who's not? What do people look like? Um, how are they acting when they're maybe not even talking? Um, you know, that's important stuff and he's not seeing them. And, and that makes, that makes a difference. Um, that he just complains that he's sitting at a desk and he's logging in and out of Zoom meetings all day long, like yeah. 50 or so all day long. I'm like, you know, okay. I mean, from my perspective, when I have one or two, I, I, I tell clients, I think it's easier. People don't have to go to the courthouse. They don't have to mm -hmm. park. They don't have to go through security. They don't have to, in Jacksonville, you know, get themselves up to the seventh floor, wait in a crowded hallway, um, in a foreign environment. They, I've had people wake up and really attend these hearings in their pajamas, which is not very respectful, but, it, but it's, but it's, it's, you know, uh, the judges are nice. They don't, they don't complain, at least not out loud. I mean, it looks tar terrible, but I think, you know, whatever. I think we're getting the kinks out. I mean, at first, I'm sure it's it's difficult, but once people start getting used to the process um, and and learning the rules, even even if they're not official rules, like you know, not showing up in your pajamas or yeah. Yeah. making Curled sure up you in your bed, exercising. Yeah. yeah. So, so you know, we've seen all of that. and and we've heard the same. We we've mm -hmm. heard mixed reviews. Um, but but I I would say across the state, from what we've heard, is that we're doing a lot better remotely than we were before the pandemic and we're making huge strides in, in improving the whole process. Um, so certain uh, proceedings may even stay remote. And, and again, it's, it's all about the clients and making it easier on the public um, to participate in their representation. So, you know, hopefully we could just keep mm -hmm. improving on all of that. So every year, Clio publishes its legal trends report, which provides in-depth analysis on the business of law. And their COVID-19 research has found that since the start of 2020, there has been a significant drop in the number of new legal matters being opened and a decrease in demand for legal services um, in spite of a steady, if not increased, need for legal help. I'm quoting that study. In your experience, are more or fewer people wanting to file for divorce after being quarantined for almost six months together? Um, I don't know that really has an effect on it, but but I, I can see in the case numbers of the cases I'm filing that it's low. I mean, the, the, you know, the count is, I think it's still in under 5,000, which for Duval County for this time of the year, mm -hmm. I mean, it, 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 it should be higher. I don't, I don't know exactly how much higher, but it, it, it should be, it should be thousand or more cases filed. And that's not just divorce cases. It's all, you know, it's child support cases, department of revenue cases, adoptions, you know, whatever paternity cases, name changes. But I think all in all, I think there are fewer family division cases filed. And I don't know why that wouldn't be true statewide. I don't know what would be particular to Jacksonville. I'd like to think that maybe because the courts were closed for a little while and, and maybe some law firms didn't pivot to virtual practice right away. Mm -hmm. um, and, and from the Clio Trends Report, actually, uh, one of the findings was that uh, the public actually wasn't aware that law firms were open and that they could seek legal uh, assistance during the pandemic. So I think hopefully now um, that some time has passed, that will change. We'll see. Mm -hmm. And sure. I'm, I'm wondering if there's a pent up demand because maybe, you know, so many people um, have lost their jobs. So maybe they can't afford to file or, or get legal representation or, right. yeah, but I was surprised at the number of, of people that just believed all law firms were closed for business completely. So that right. was, and it was funny because we were hearing from some firms that were booming because they just ran ads saying, we're open. 
That's right. all they had to say. And and I, were, th- Google, Google wanted to know, Bing wanted to know, mm-hmm. um, every, every, Facebook, every, you know, where I have little things, um, everybody wanted to know so that they could tell people, I think Yelp wanted to know, um, everybody wanted to know. Um, if you're open, because I guess they figured people were looking um, and some right. places were, I mean, I, I think for a time in Jacksonville, everybody was closed, but that doesn't mean I couldn't take phone calls from home. I think that's what most people were doing um, and, and to some extent are still doing. Um, plenty of people are still working from home, I think, when they can. Um, it That just doesn't mean that you can't have a hearing and you you're case can't progress. I mean, uh, certainly if you can come up with an agreement, um, everything can progress, I think, better, easier. It's easier now um, because you don't even have to go to the courthouse. Uh, Yeah. yeah. And the pandemic has caused attorneys um, to innovate. Some of them weren't ready for this or they've transformed their practices in order to be viable. When this is all over, um, do you think you're going to return to practicing exactly the way you did before? Or do you think attorneys and clients will want to continue to do many things virtually just because of the ease and convenience? Well, I, I, I think any client who has been through the process, but mm-hmm. I, I think unfortunately, at least for what I do, you, you hopefully you're only going to do it once. Okay? <laughs> you know, you're, you're not doing it again and again and again. So you don't really know mm-hmm. what you're missing by having to go to the courthouse. Um, but you know, you don't know what an ordeal that is um, mm-hmm. to park, to walk, to go, you know, to walk in that environment that's unfamiliar to you and navigate, you know, on the, to the other side of the building and find a specific judge's office and sit outside of it. Um, but it's obviously easier to not have to do that, to just do it from home. I don't think it's any harder for, it's not any more difficult for the judge to do that. If anything, I would think um, those things are easier because you don't have, I mean, I don't know how it happens around the state, but at least in Jacksonville, you know, for a ex parte hearing, I mean, there's sometimes there's five people in the room. Sometimes there's 50. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to get stuff done when there's just that many people standing around because inevitably they're all making at least a little bit of noise. Um, there's a lot of noise in the hallway. People are in and out of the door. It, that's distracting. Because the judges get angry <laughs> and, they, and they express it, okay, and they and they, and they should. Um, but if you can just let people in, um, which is what they're doing now, it's like, yeah, you still show up at the same time. You just show up virtually, and they will pick and choose. They will go through their list. They will get to you eventually, and it, it's. I think it's quicker as long as I get all the documents to them in advance. They get what they mm-hmm. they know what they need. They're telling us what they need as long as we get them what they need. Um, so that they can do their job. We can do ours. Every, every, I mean, I think it works better for everybody. Um, yeah, I, I, I would hope that there are some things that, that don't need to go back, but yeah, we'll see. Okay. So it looks like we've reached the end of our program. Thank you, Jim Mullaney, for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. If our listeners have questions, how can they get more information or reach out to you? Um, Let's see. My, you can go to the website. There's a client contact form. I specifically was told not to put the email address on the form. I mean, on the on the <laughs> website because that would just get me spammed forever and ever. Right. Um, but my email address, I mean, it's it's out there, so it's not it's not a secret. What's the website? Um, it's just my name, JimMullaney.com, and that Perfect. is the best way to get in touch with me. But yeah, that's the best way. 
All right. Thank you. If you like what you heard today, please rate us an Apple podcast. Join us next time for another episode of the Florida Bar podcast brought to you by Legal Fuel, the practice resource center of the Florida Bar. I'm Christine Bilbury. And I'm Carla Eckhart. Until next time. Thank you for listening. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalFuel.com. Don't miss an episode by subscribing to the Florida Bars podcast via iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and RSS. Find the Florida Bars Practice Resource Center Legal Fuel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by the Florida Bar. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.